Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Hey, thanks for joining me, my friends. I'm so glad that you're with us for this episode. I am so excited. I've got one of my good friends who has a brand new book that is really going to help leaders uh, of all levels, preschool, elementary, preteen, doesn't matter. Um, shoot, I, I'd even give this to your main worship leader um, because I think it's going to help anybody who's got a heart for worship because we want it's time to start rethinking the sweet sounds of worship and what does that mean. And today joining me is my good friend and award-winning too. I mean, congrats, by the way, for that. I mean, she she slightly won this big award. I mean, not slightly, she did win um, a really cool award this year. I'll let her tell about all that. Um, but she's also released a brand new book called Sweet Sound, The Power of Discipling Kids in Worship. Yancey, welcome back to the KMC. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you today. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. I really feel like after reading this book, that this is a must read for every leader. Um, and I would encourage uh, all of our listeners to pick up a copy, several copies, and give them to people who are involved with worship, um, because you've really done a marvelous work here. And, and I'm, I'm really excited. I, I told you off here, uh, you got me thinking about worship in a different way than I had ever thought of. And you said some things that I was like, wow, that's that's really powerful. And I guess I really need to upgrade my thinking. <laughs> um, so I, I'm really excited about sharing this book with the listeners. Um, and and I want to I wanted you to to be able to have this time on the on the podcast. So um, I'm trying to do my best not to talk much because I want you to share your heart um, from this. So one of the things that I always do on the podcast is always start off with that why question. Um, so why this book? What led you to write about worship besides of the fact that you are your heart is worship? But yeah. what what was in there? Well, I mean, the the big factor for me, I, I am someone who is very passionate about worship. Um, I feel like it's a, a key characteristic of what our life should uh, have in it as a Christ follower. Um that should be an active part of every believer's life. I have been, you know, involved in kids worship since officially since the start of 2008. <laughs> there were some years and some toes dipped in the water before that, but that was kind of the point where I was like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is what God wants me to do. And, you know, throughout that whole time, I've always known that, you know, there's practically nothing uh, out there to train children's pastors, their team members mm -hmm. on leading kids in worship. And so, you know, it's not that this is like a new need that I just came across. Um, it just really wasn't, you know, like I, I, I've known that, hey, there's there's a lack there of resources and training materials and information about this subject, but it just wasn't the right time, really yeah. long and short. And as I kind of lived my life through 2020 last year. And, uh, I remember vividly last summer, it was just 
this thing that I knew summer of 2020, I was so confident. I knew that 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 like the thing that God was wanting me to do next was to write this book. And so I actually have like several more books and like resources planned and like itching to get started on the creative (laughs) process of those. But I, you know, it was just, it was really just a God confirmation of, of him nudging me and being like, all right, it's time. And this is what I want you to do. And so really uh, I wrote this book out of obedience, but more than anything, just want to help open the minds and the hearts of leaders to just realize what's at stake here Mm. in regards to worship. Like it's so much more than just you accomplishing songs (laughs) when you have kids gathered in your classrooms, um, when they're there for a service like that, just, just doing the song or just being like, yeah, we have worship, you know, and making that happen every week that's, that's not really it. There is a spiritual, um, just power that comes into play when we make space, create time, become intentional about the message of our songs and how we're leading those songs and how we're helping boys and girls from the time that they are young grow in their faith and grow in their understanding of why they worship and just giving them opportunity to connect to father God through this communication opportunity that we have a worship. So just like we teach kids to pray and that's Mm -hmm. a way they can, you know, grow closer to God. We can teach kids that through these songs that they're singing and through their posture and their expression on all of these things that they are able to encounter God's presence. And so that's kind of, that's my why. I love it. I love it because I think, um, you know, I mean, and your heart in this book is obviously so clear how it's bigger than just helping kids sing. And I think, I think that's the thing is a lot of, a lot of kids leaders out there say, Oh yeah, we have worship. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, after reading your book, I'd say, well, you have singing, (laughs) you, you have a song time. Um, Mm -hmm. you have lots of emotions and lots of excitement time, but I don't always know. And, and I would honestly, I'd say this is true in, in quote unquote, big church. Oh, for sure. Have a singing time because we've always done it. Um, we've always had it. Mm -hmm. It's in its expectation, but (sighs) what you did in this book, I've, I found is you went much deeper. Um, and you, you launched into a study of David. Mm-hmm. And again, this is where I was like, wow, this, I, I want to go back and reread some of these chapters because yeah. uh, David's one of my heroes too. <laughs> and, and I love, I think partly because he's so emotional and I'm a very emotional person and David ran really hot and he ran really cold and he ran everything in between and he wore his emotions on his sleeve. But when it came to worship, we see all of that being poured out in him. And, and you really dug into his life and, and, and got some really, I'd say meaty principles in this study about how worship should be done. So what lessons did you from David discover when you were writing this? What, what really struck you? Yeah. Well, you know, as a, 
as a worship leader, you know, like obviously I've always been a fan of David because he's kind of the, the superstar worship leader that we have in the Bible, <laughs> you know? So he is that person that I've always, you know, thought about. And I think if, if I rewind for me a few years, really going through when I created the heartbeat curriculum series that mm, I have, that's five so good. To, <laughs> to teach kids about worship, you know, like we focused on David for all of those Bible stories and those lessons and really, you know, took that to heart of helping kids learn from David's example mm-hmm. as well. So I think, you know, that process is what really got me like looking at David, you know, with the magnifying glass sort of a thing of just really digging into it a whole lot more. And I think that's just grown increasingly in the past few years. And, you know, for me, I've had things from time to time that I read in worship leader circles, whether it's articles or statements by worship leaders or whatever, that sometimes just kind of rub me the wrong way a little bit, you know, where you're like, really? Like, why is that your thought process there? And one of those days when I was kind of duking it out with God as like, why did that person say that? You know, like, (laughs) why is that their approach? Um, I just really felt like God responded to me and he was like, look at David. And so, you know, that's where I just opened up the word and started looking at examples. And, um, you know, it's in the Psalms, we see David's firsthand example that was mixed with oftentimes invitation and command for us of how to worship. Um, we don't see a whole lot of, well, and then David, you know, went and clapped his hands before the Lord, you know, then David went and bowed down. Like, it's not just a story about what David did. When you look closely at many of the Psalms, you'll see examples of how he, um, invited, I believe, you know, the generations of Christ followers that have come since he was living on the earth to join into this participation of worship. And one of those examples is in Psalm 47, one, it says, come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful songs, you know, in the scheme of Bible verses, that's a pretty short scripture, but right there in that short scripture, there are four pieces of instruction that we are given. So David said, come everybody. So first off, you know, he's like, Hey, everybody, we're going to do this right now. (laughs) Get up on your feet. Come everybody, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful songs. And so there's four pieces uh, pieces of instruction that he gave us in that verse. And I think that's a great example for us of how we need to be leading others in worship, because it's not just, hey, it's time for us to sing right now. We're all going to sing and then just sing the song and just kind of hope that everyone's going to magically understand what to do and why to do it and what the heart posture should be like in that moment. No, David got into the nitty and gritty, just like a parent does with their child, where they give instruction and they're like, okay, I want you to go brush your teeth and I need you to comb your hair and I want you to go clean your room. You know, they tell you some specific things that they want you to do. Um, As a worship leader, we should be giving people some specific tasks 
um, inviting them into the process saying, hey, this is what we're going to do for these next few minutes. This is how I want you to focus. This is how I want you to participate. This is the opportunity that we have right now to experience the super wonderful God that we are living for. And so that's, that's like the biggie, biggie, most practical <laughs> David thing that I could give people is just the practical instruction and invitation that we find in his scriptures. Wow. And that is powerful. I love what you said there, heart posture. Mm -hmm. um, can you unpack that just a little bit? Cause I'm, I mean, we're going to talk about posture in a little bit, but yeah. that phrase, as soon as you said it, I wrote that down was like, wow, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say heart posture before I've heard people talk about the posture of worship. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we'll, we'll get to that. Cause I, you, yeah. but talk about heart posture for a second. Well, I think, you know, it's not just like this is what we have to do right now. But I think it's so much more of a, it's a, it's a decision, you know, mm. For, first off, God created us to worship him. And so if I know that, if I'm not being active in worship, if I'm not engaging in worship, if I'm not expressing myself in times of worship, then like ultimately that's sinful. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think most Christians think <laughs> of that as sin, but if, right. if that's something he created us to do and we're not doing it, or we're doing it with a chip on our shoulder, or we're doing it, you know, out of a, this is what we have to do because this is how church services start. And I wish I was home on the couch where I could not participate right now. You know, mm -hmm. if that's our heart posture, then it's, you know, it's like when your child needs to apologize for something and they give the apology, that's the words, <laughs> but you know, the heart behind it isn't there. And so, yes, there are days wow. that participating in worship is, is it a, a choice and it's a decision we make. And I think in those cases, it's maybe more of a sacrifice of praise when we put our foot down and say, I'm doing this right now because this is what God intends for me to do. And this is what's good for me as a Christian. I think those are some of those moments where this is a sacrifice. This is not what I want to do right now, but I'm going to be doing it. But I think, I think, and what I hope, and it sounds like is the case from you sharing, which some of the things you learned about the book, my hope and my prayer, you know, I, I wrote this book for church leaders. That was, that was my why. And that's the purpose of it. But I think there's a lot of this book, you know, there's, there's probably 50 to 60% of this book that every Christian that reads it, I hope will personally be affected yes. and changed and what their worship looks like moving forward will be different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately it starts with us anyways. And so right. if we want it, if we want to see change happen, and the groups that we're leading and the ministries that we represent and those that we're pastoring, if what worship looks like in our life is transformed, that's only going to spill out into those that we lead as well. So mm, that's, that's so good. In fact, <laughs> um, I'm actually going to do my follow-up question first, because I think you just walked right into this and, and this is obviously where the Lord wants us to go is 
the you used a quote from C.S. Lewis um, mm-hmm. in your book that said the task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. And then you wrote, let's irrigate deserts in the lives of those we lead so that they can pour out their love for the one who is always faithful. Help them flourish and bloom by giving glory to God through their worship. Yeah. Um, what I love about the, what you just said is the idea of that, that we've got to stop this idea of just doing songs and doing singing and truly leading worship. And I hope leaders would start to think, you know what, because I I've sat in big church and, and gotten frustrated sometimes with the quote unquote worship time. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, how does that change? Um, well, it starts with us as kids leaders. <laughs> if we can change a generation that helps them really learn what worship is, mm-hmm. imagine how that could impact an entire church. Um, if if yeah. we would help kids stop just singing and doing motions, but really, like you say, um, or well, what C.S. Lewis said is irrigating those deserts. Yeah. Um you know, because kids are, are hurting and they're, they're struggling right now. And what a better thing to give them than teaching them that they can worship even in those hard moments too. I mean, we, again, David's a great example of that, right? Yeah. Um, he worshiped in some pretty hard and horrific moments. Um, he was real raw. Um, yeah. but he also, you know, man, when he was in his play in, in the, in the good place and stuff of, of just seeing this overflow, um, and the beauty of the, some of the stuff that he wrote. Um, I, I'm curious, what, was there anything that was kind of like a light bulb moment? And, and when you wrote those kind of thing, uh, this kind of idea, how do you help leaders make, you know, make this happen, so to speak? I mean, we're going to talk more about practical stuff too. So, yeah. But. Well, can, can we back up a second and just yep. dive into that David point? Um, So one of the things that I already believe to be true, you know, we know David was given the title man after God's own heart. I believe that's because David learned how to worship God, period. Like worship was not conditional to David. Worship wasn't, oh, I only do that on the mountaintops. (laughs) You know, it wasn't, oh, I only do that when I'm anointed to be king you know, scenarios. I only do that after a victory. Worship was like a, a rhythm, a repetitive thing that happened in David's life. And so I'd, I'd already believed that to be true for like a number of years. I remember, I actually remember the car I was sitting in the first time. I think I really like used words to share that with, with a friend of mine my memory goes back exactly to the night in the situation where I just kind of shared what I think was one of the first revelations God was giving me about David. But if I, if I fast forward a whole bunch of years now to uh, a friend of mine highlighted a scripture in second Samuel, I believe it is um, where David had had a child that died. And there's this these two scriptures right there in this story that just completely tie in a bow (laughs) 
all the points that I've been trying to make about David's consistency of worship and how David's response was to worship and the muscle that he built up in his life was to worship God. And so there's this, this passage where David had a child that died and it says, you know, David kind of questioned his servants about what they were chattering about in the background. And they responded, sharing, confirming his son was dead. And it says, David got up, he combed his hair, mm -hmm. he washed his face, he changed his clothes, and he went to the sanctuary and worshiped. And I'm like, how, like, how much more do you need? <laughs> than that right there like this was no doubt one of the worst moments of his life yes his child was dead many of you that are listening have been there yeah. at one point or another where you, you had a miscarriage or you know something horrific has happened to your family and so you can identify with maybe what david was feeling in that moment and Yet it didn't say like, oh, he waited eight hours. You know, he went to sleep first. He hopped on Facebook first. You know, he shared all of his frustration and, and misery. No, like literally the guy got up, washed his face. You know, I'm sure that would translation for us would be he went and brushed his teeth. You know, like, <laughs> you know, he combed through yeah. his hair. He put on a change of clothes and he went and worshiped God. And that is what I long to see happen in our churches mm -hmm. is that yes. we teach kids how you respond bond and how you navigate the hardest junk in life that you're going to experience and go through, whether it's right now as a kid or whether it's as a teenager or whether it's as an adult, if we can teach kids that the thing you do in that moment is to turn to God and run to God to yeah. allow him to be your shelter and your refuge and your hiding place. My friends, that is how you have a heart after God and you become just like David to have, to be a man, a woman after God's heart. And so that's my desire and my mission of, and ultimately what I hope Kidman leaders will make a shift and do a better job yeah. at doing in the days and months and years to come is let's, I mean, kids go through stuff. Like last right. year, they went through stuff oh, like man. they're. They're experiencing stuff, whether it's with mom and dad, whether it's, you know, the topic of divorce on the horizon, whether it's an abuse thing, whether it's death, whether it's disease, whether it's lack, whether it's loneliness, you know, all the things right. they're experiencing right. it even in their season of life now. And what a gift we could give them to help them understand by being so much more intentional about the songs that we're doing and also what we're teaching them as to how to engage in those songs so that Monday through Saturday, you know, so that the two or three weeks in between the times that they show up back through our door, we're helping them know how to approach the throne of God 365 days a year. 24 hours a day. And you don't have to be in a church for that to happen. Wow. And is that the point where worship starts to become discipleship? 
because that's really where your heart, I mean, that obviously was more yeah. than just a tagline on your book about yeah. worship being discipleship, but how and when does that, maybe we can talk about that for a minute. Cause that, I think, I think what you just said was really powerful and I hope people maybe even replay what you just said right there. Cause I'm like, okay, that'll preach. I'm, I'm going to start yelling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's the intentionality of it. You know, I, as church leaders, we're great about making sure that we're talking about loving one another and treating others with kindness yep. and forgiving, you know, one another. We're, yep. we're great about, let's talk about the importance of prayer. You know, let's talk about missions, like all, all of these characteristics of a Christ follower. But I, I mean, Tom, it feels like to me in most cases, I think one of the characteristics of a Christ follower that honestly churches have fo focused the least on that they feel busy doing it. And so it feels like it's happening, but really one of the, the areas they focus the least on is that of helping people be the worshipers that God created them to be. Amen. That's true. And you don't, you don't do that without information and without knowledge and without example from scripture. And you don't do that without, you know, opportunities to engage in actual worship where you bow down and you posture your heart and a sacrifice, you know, sort of state before the Lord. And I think many, many times that kind of stuff is missing. Mm. If you really zoom in on what is taking place, you'll find that those things aren't represented in the times that we've been doing songs. Right. Right. If we just call it that. Right. So, and if it's going to become worship, like you said, intentionality or discipleship, it, it needs to have that intentionality yeah. to say, and again, this is where I say, you know, as leaders, if we want to change the culture, we've got to help these kids that we're ministering to right now that God's entrusted to our care to help them learn. Um, when and how and what and where and why can worship be part of the rhythm of being a disciple of Christ? Yeah. Um, and, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I would say even, even for me growing up, I never heard many leaders talk to me about it. Um, we sang songs because that's what we did when we came to church. Right. I don't know of anybody. And that, that's why y'all, if you haven't checked out Nancy's curriculum heartbeat, um, and I, maybe I need to go back and pull that episode up too, because we did talk about that episode, uh, your curriculum, but that seriously is a solid, it, I would, I would put this in your curriculum at least once a year, um, to go through, uh, you know, your curriculum cycles, go yeah. through it and really teach children and, and the leaders, because yeah. <laughs> the leaders are going to learn a ton. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Tom, one of the things I love uh, just testimony in, in past year, I've had a couple churches that like have told me, um, or I saw firsthand you know, online that they actually taught the series to their whole church and like senior pastors took That's families fantastic. through it while they were doing online church or whatnot. Um, because you know, the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about applies oh, sure. to every Christ follower because being Absolutely. a Christian 
it doesn't have anything to do with age. You know, there's not like a, oh, well, this is what, this is what a Christian that's 12 to 21 looks right. like, you know, like <laughs> this is what a senior citizen Christian, you know, yes, should yes. know and the disciplines they have. No, it's, it's the same once we nope. come to know Jesus and have relationship nope. with him. There's no junior version how, of discipleship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how you have a relationship with the father is by approaching his throne and we mm -hmm. can approach his throne through worship. And that's good. So let's, because I think that's part of the posture of worship. So why does posture matter so much when it comes to worship and how do we foster the correct posture? Um, we yeah. kind of talked about heart posture, but let's I dig mean, into that. Just why does more. posture matter when you're talking to your boss <laughs> or why does posture matter when you're with your spouse or, you know, like uh -huh. let's, let's a B it to all the other situations of life. Um, I, I, I share a, a quote from an article that I have loved for years um, called the posture of worship by Stephen Miller do a quick Google search and you will find it. It used to be on Prestonwood Baptist's website, but I think right now it's just living on the Gospel Coalition website. But he shares a whole lot there. But one of, one of the last statements he said is the, that the outward expression reveals the root of our heart. Oof. And we know that to be true in work and home and friends and life and, you know, how we respond, how we engage in those conversations, the way you cheer, you know, like we, we've used the sports analogy related <laughs> to this topic for a long time, but yeah, truth be told, I'm a music girl. So I've not cared a whole lot about sports most of my <laughs> life, much to my parents' dismay. And, but, you know, my boys love hockey and, you know, I go to predators games there and especially, I rewind, you know, a few years back when they were making it into the Stanley Cup playoffs and whatnot and being in that arena and hearing, you know, the emotion and the yes. excitement of these fans. And I was like, as cheesy as it is to use this <laughs> example all day long, this is a perfect example because yeah. some of the same people that might would tell me of why they don't respond and worship and why it doesn't matter that they're not engaged in time of worship are down at Bridgestone arena, <laughs> just being a motive, you know, say, yes. <laughs> the whole time. And so it's kind of like, uh, ex, ex, say it out loud, you know, like, <laughs> can we record it and play it back for you to hear? Because that just doesn't. Right. Your defense doesn't stand up in court. Yes, it does not. <laughs> it does not. And I think helping kids realize that there's all different postures and all different ways to express it. Um, yeah. Because I think, you know, I mean, I, I see it, um, you know, serving in a church uh, there, you know, you can tell there are some kids that, man, their whole body is into it. And there yeah. are other kids that, they're just kind of standing still. And sometimes they get shamed from the front. Hey, you know, you're not doing the motions. You're not yeah. clapping. And I remember you saying this, I think when we talked about the curriculum before was, was helping kids get comfortable in their own skin where 
they can, you know, it's more about the heart attitude, the heart posture <laughs> than it is the outward. And as they feel more comfortable, it will come out um, of the heart. And we yeah. need to encourage that um, with kids. Um, I think, I think it's really also tied to revelation. Mm. I think when you've experienced the revelation of the power of your worship, you know, when you experience the revelation of many of the things that we talk about in the book, that is going to change yes. how you physically respond. Wow. That's good. That's good. Well, you spend the last few of your chapters <laughs> digging into a lot of the how-to stuff. I yeah. mean, you break it down for preschool. Can you kind of summarize the last portion of your book for us and give us perspective on yeah. Um, those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, certainly it's like, we, we kind of start off just with the big dream vision revelation, what the Bible says about why all of this stuff matters. Um, and I spend the last chunk of the book just with some practical stuff. So it's things about, uh, introducing new songs. There's stuff about building your worship sets and just kind of pulling the curtain back a little bit as to how I think think that through. Um, there is a chapter about preschool worship. There's a couple chapters on motions and how to do that well. There's um, a chapter about re resourcing families to worship. And so a variety of ways that that can happen. Um, just just a, a lot of practical stuff that I know uh, when I when I first wrote it before I sent the book off to the editor, I sent it to a friend of mine that I've known most of my life that has been involved in ministry and her mom was a children's pastor and she's just a close friend. And I'm like, I need you to read this and tell me like, if ever I'm out of line here, you know, if my heart doesn't come through, right. Like all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, her, her response back when she got done, she was just like, there's so many things that even, you know, someone of her experience that has a lot of history and has even been in the trenches. She was like, I never thought to do that, you know, <laughs> and just, I think some little, little things just to make every moment and every minute that you have with kids, because truth be told, you've got fewer hours with the families that you're right. getting to minister to yes. in the current times that we live in than probably ever in the past. And so, you know, it might not have mattered as much 20 years ago if you were able to do that new song a second time that day, but it's, it's a, a deal breaker and really would be minutes very well spent to figure out how do I play that same song again a second time today. So, you know, her, her response was, she's like, there's so many practical things that I was just like, why did I never think to do that? So, I know that you'll you'll find things that you can easily put into play in the coming weeks and months and what you're doing and just little little tweaks and shifts that you can yes. do just to it's it's fine tuning what you do to just make it work better and make things that you're already doing run mm -hmm. more efficiently and you know I I often talk about being intentional um as a worship leader I'm intentional you know as I'm creating a set or putting my songs together. I'm intentional about how I want to engage the kids that I'm leading. And so just kind of helping you figure out a few things that you can do to just 
make what you're already doing accomplish more. So good, man. I appreciate um, you taking the time to, to spend with us. And, and again, I'm telling people you need to get the book and study it, read it. This would be a great time of the year to do it. You can kick off 2022 with some new heartbeats and, and new perspectives on worship. Yeah. Um, I definitely think you ought to do that. As, as we start to wrap up this, this episode, what's, what, what would you recommend leaders start? Where, we, where could they start to make some changes moving that worship into the area of discipleship? Yeah. Well, I would say start with evaluating what it is that you've been doing. You know, really think through how you've been doing worship, who's been leading it, what has engagement looked like. And, you know, so often in talking with leaders, they're usually a little bit unhappy with some of the results that they're getting. And so I think a great way in looking at how to shift that and change that moving forward is just kind of looking like, okay, well, what is it we've been doing? And if that's yielding this kind of fruit, then what are some different things that I could be doing that maybe would bring a different outcome? So I think, I think that certainly is a beginning place to just look at how do we, how do we change and start to steer this ship, you know, in a new direction. Um, and I, I think, uh, I, I remember the first time that I said this was responding to someone in, in a group on Facebook. Um, and I, it's one of those, you kind of type it out and then you're like, Ooh, I like that. Let me copy and paste that and save that so I can keep using it. And it's just kind of becoming a, a key statement related to talking about this book as well. But I think it's true. Stop just doing songs and start mm -hmm. leading worship. There's a difference. Yes. And children's ministers have been doing the one really well and really consistently. Yeah. In most cases, there's always some, somebody I talked to out there that's like, oh, we don't have a worship time at all, you know, for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. But if you really dig in to these concepts that we talked about in the book and you really decide this is something I want to create vision for and I want to create space for in the ministry that we're doing and you start to use those songs in a different way to help you accomplish worship being expressed in your classrooms and the presence of God being experienced through times of worship that you're leading your kids in. Um, that's, that's where the change is going to happen. And that's where the discipleship of helping kids yeah. taste and see the Lord is good is going to take place. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. Well, thank you. Um, thanks for your time. Thanks for what you do for us as, as kids ministry leaders and keeping us pointed in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I really pray that 2022 is a year where we see kids worship really go to discipleship Yeah. and, and we see that culture shift start to happen that kids really start to hunger and thirst for this kind of experience of that. It's that relational experience that moves them closer that mm -hmm. boulders their emboldens their faith um, yeah. that, that helps them put on the armor so they can stand in this hard, this hard time um, yeah. that, that we're living in. It's, it's a challenge for sure. 
Um, so thanks, Yancy. Um, thanks for, for sharing with us. Thank um, hey, you for hey, letting me share about it. Oh, my pleasure. It's an honor too. Um, hey, if you're interested in getting her book, go right to Yancy Ministries, all one word, yancyministries.com slash sweet sound. And you can purchase the book directly there. Um, that's where I would recommend you go. And there's a bonus. You get a free poster set included with your book order. So bon hey, everybody loves bonuses. I mean, yes, yes. We, I, we took a few uh, quotes from the book and have some, some uh, fun artwork pieces and you can put those backstage or in a green room or area that you have where your team's going to be just to keep reminding them and empowering them to be intentional and lead well. So that is awesome. So yep. Head to Yancey Ministries. We'll put the link in the show notes uh, as well. So you can get it. Um, or yeah, you can get it on Amazon too. I should say that, but um, I would recommend an audiobook that. is coming very, very soon. Mm. I actually just checked a couple files this morning that were the final little, we made a little edit. Um, and so I'm going to be sending that off today. So audiobook and ebook will be live before you know it, probably when most of these, the people listening um, hear this awesome. as well. So there's that option. If you're that kind of a learner, Hey, hey well, I will tell you, um, I could hear you <laughs> partly because I know you so well now, but I could hear you as I read the book. I, it was yeah. like, as I'm reading it, I've got Yancey's voice in my head and I'm hearing you talk. Um, so I, I can't, can't wait. The audio book's going to be great. To hear the audiobook. I will tell you, Tom, I <laughs> was not mentally prepared for what <laughs> recording the audiobook was going to be like, you know, I had, I had read the book, what feels like a hundred times you know <laughs> at that point and like I was like I got in the studio and then there were certain chapters and parts to this that were very emotional and mm. and I was just like I no one told me I had no idea what it was going to be like to express you know some of this yes. information and tell some of my story and um yeah. And even listening to it, like I, I was getting emotional, just <laughs> hearing the recording of it as well. So that's, it's, that's good yeah, to know. I'm, but I'm I feel like it's like a whole different experience is going to be the audio book than yes. reading it. I feel like, oh, like I we're going to need to do both. Like <laughs> maybe you like read it and then you go back through and hear the audio version to just there you go. hear me emphasize certain things. Yes. Yeah. Well, so. I'm, I'm thinking about doing that for my book as well. And I'm, I'm not so sure I'm prepared for that either because it was, it was emotional writing, mm -hmm. um, and, and reading it back. For um, sure. yeah. So I can only imagine myself yeah, trying to some read it. <laughs> and, and, and I just have to mention too, like, um, I know we're trying to wrap up, but I can, we can <laughs> talk okay. all day, but you mentioned at the beginning about my award and I, I will, yeah. I will, brag about it because it's a total yes, you should. blessing. So I did win a Dove Award this year for Children's Album of the Year, which was absolutely amazing and a wonderful honor. But it was especially special because it was for a project of mine called Ready, Set, Go. That's been this huge journey of faith and obedience. And, you know, I'm. it's now like this three-year journey of just 
information and just realizing this thing is tied to this thing and it's connected to this thing over here. And um, so even the closing of the book, Tom, I share a little bit about that story. And like, and when I recorded that, the closing, it was post the dove win. And so there's a statement where I'm talking about and telling the story. And then I'm like, like this project changed my life. Yeah. And like, I mean, <laughs> it took multiple tries yeah. and we finally just had to sit there and just let me like cry it out for a minute because yeah. I was like, that's the understatement of the century. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like It's the understatement of my 41 years of living um, yeah. that yeah. just the journey and what that project represents and just winning that dove, like what, what all of that entails. It's like, it really did change my life. Yeah. That's awesome. So, well, I'm, I about fell off my chair. I had to go grab my ready set, go check the flag. It. People that are listening have no clue what I, what all that noise You're waving was. a flag right now. But I am Just... waving, I am waving my Yancey ready set, go flag that sits on my shelf. I um, love it. And, uh, and of course, over my shoulder, your dad's always there. Um, the little bobblehead <laughs> always keeping an eye on me. So, oh, Yancey, thank you so much, my friend. Um, of course, and, uh, thank you very, I, I know very much. this resource will be a great blessing to others. So, hey, friends, thanks for listening to this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it and you'll share it with lots of other people. Again, go get the book uh, at yanceyministries.com slash sweet sound. And uh, man, just stay tuned. We've got some great episodes coming uh, up to wrap up this year and to launch into 2022. So we look forward to having you uh, join us uh, for more episodes of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders, and if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills and ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.